Welcome to Digital Transformers, the show that connects you with what you need to build, manage, and operate your digital supply chain. Join your host in a timely discussion on new and future business models with industry-leading executives. The show will reveal global customer expectations, real-world deployment challenges, and the value of advanced business technologies like artificial intelligence, blockchain, and robotic process engineering. And now, we bring you Digital Transformers. Hello, everyone. This is Kevin L. Jackson, and welcome to Digital Transformers. This show is designed to educate and inform you, our audience, on the immediate value of digitalization. We do that by highlighting companies and executives that are leading global industries into the digital future. Today, we're talking about the industry known as government. And it's very special because we're highlighting how the U.S. federal government, specifically the U.S. Census Bureau, is transforming how itself to prepare for the 2030 census. You think that's way, way off in the future, but it's important to prepare for such a major event. So with me today is Dr. Camille Jones, the Assistant Division Chief of the Administrative and Customer Service. Forward Edge AI CEO, Eric Adolfe, the lead contractor for the project, and Ripple's CEO, Josh Pendrick, a major contributor to the UCID technology effort. Welcome, y'all. So Dr. Jones, could you please introduce yourself, the Bureau, and the Emma Project that you are skillfully leading? I don't know about skillfully leading, but <laughs> I show up when asked to. I'm Dr. Camille Adams-Jones, and I have been, um, the, I have the pleasure of being the Assistant Division Chief over Dynamic Avenue of Government, where we are leading dynamic um, doers in innovation, transformation, as well as execution. Um, the Emma Project is our electronic mobile medical application, and it came about from an unfortunate incident I had. I got hit by a car. Wow. I was trying to be, yeah, I was trying to be a good wife and I was out on the roads in Washington, D.C. As a New Yorker, I know better to be out on the roads in Washington, D.C. when <laughs> snow first hits the ground. Those DMV drivers are going to get you one way or another. And I got caught and you I had a car accident. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and I called my insurance company, State Farm, and they said, well, do you have your cell phone on you? And I said I did. And I, I took six pictures of everything that happened. I sent it to them. And next thing you know, I had a, a State Farm claim number. Everything had worked mm -hmm. out. They had, a, had an appointment for my car to be taken in. It told me where the nearest ERs were to take care of me. I, they even sent me um, examples of how I can do physical therapy if needed and what all my policy limits were. And I thought, being over the things I'm over at the U.S. Census Bureau, in my role, I oversee safety occupational health, our employee assistance program, as well as our personal property and torts claim and workers' compensation program. But I felt like if State Farm could come up with an application to do all of this, right. why can't we as government? And so I decided to make friends. I attended about seven different industry days. I stopped talking to people who just hung out at Census, and mm -hmm. I started hanging out at other agencies. Mm -hmm. I started hanging out at other forums. I started taking advantage of this virtual environment we're in, attending different conferences via like some of our social media platforms on LinkedIn. And I met 
about 16 different companies that understood what I was looking for. But then I only met one <laughs> that already had a phase one and two process taking place through our friends over at the National Science Foundation. And I said, they've got what we need. If we can transform the work that we do right now that takes us up to seven days to complete just to initiate, mm -hmm. and if we can do that in under three minutes, let's go. Let's do it, government. We speak about being transformative leaders. We speak about being innovators. Let's go. Let's put our money where our mouth is and let's see if we can do it. So I made some friends. I made some friends. And I have to say, I think I made the best of friends. One of them being Mr. Eric Adolfe. And I have to say, he's not too bad with picking out fireplace backgrounds either. So. <laughs> No, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, uh, Dr. Jones, because you talked a bit about uh, partnerships, okay, not just partnerships with industry and learning from industry, but within the federal government itself. And you actually worked with the National um, Science uh, uh, Foundation to identify ways that you can improve your own bureau. Is that done often? I have to say it's not. Sometimes we, I don't know, we work within silos. We work in home, in the house, or we work within our direct bureaucracy of whatever governing agency is over us. And sometimes you've got to make friends elsewhere. I tell people all the time, like even with what I do, get some diverse friends. If you're a dancer, find an engineer. If you're a doctor, hang out with an, act, with an, act, with an accountant. Find somebody whose thought processes are different than yours. And I have to say, I would not have been able to accomplish what we were able to accomplish if it hadn't have been for my friends from other agencies. When I say friends, just colleagues, people I didn't know, but I just mm -hmm. connected with because they were at the same industry days. They were wearing a government badge. They had a gov.gov email address. And so it was like safe for them to talk to. And there was some good people over at the Small Business Administration that introduced me not just to how I could get this done, how we could partner with other agencies, but they let us know what vehicles were out there to get it done. The acquisitions mm -hmm. process in government is one that can hinder a lot of us. And if you find ways to just make connections, partner with individuals who know how to do so many people in government that have astonishing, astonishing talent, but they all save it in-house. We're all gatekeeping wow. just for our own. And if we can say, yeah, you can come over. Yeah. You want to know what we do here? Take a look at what we've got going on. Show off a little bit, tell people what you're doing. You never know how it can help a colleague across agencies. We've got to learn to drill down these silos, and make some partnerships and grab some friends because as good stewards of the fiscal federal dollar, it's so important mm -hmm. when we think about innovative change coming forward. We're no longer gonna be able to have those systems that are really just Excel spreadsheets or those paper-based <laughs> systems <laughs> where two people have keys to the file cabinet. Like we're living in a digital era. So why not get on board? Why not be brave and get out there and figure out how we can do better? How can we be, be more efficient in what we do? How can we be better to our end users? How can we truly take advantage of this internal and external customer experience we want to elevate? And I said, I said, one, I'm for one. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go. Ooh, wow. This is, that, that is awesome. I, I, I really like your, yeah, I really like your broad vision. So, so Eric, uh, please don't fall off that pedestal that Dr. Jones just put you on. <laughs> so, so, so Kevin, yes. So Kevin, I will never 
ever follow Dr. Jones in a podcast <laughs> ever again. <laughs> it's wow. like, who was it? It's like Michael Jackson said, you know, get the mic and keep the mic and never give it away. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, she's she summed it all up. I mean, it was brilliant. There's not much more for me to add to that. I want to say you could see the passion there. And, you know, the thing about Ford Edge, you know, we we focus on three things. We focus on national security, public safety, and addressing, you know, complex social problems like bias and those kinds of mm-hmm. things, right? So we, we tend to want to uh, take on these projects that are, you know, that ha- have those themes, but, but also the, the sponsors, the partners in government are passionate. And you can see the passion coming from Dr. Jones. And I just love yes. it. I mean, this is just absolutely great. And you could tell. So Dr. Jones, the audience may not know this, was the winner of the Fed 100 Award, which is a prestigious award that's that's given to government executives who are involved in transforming the way government does business. And uh, so she's so we're in the presence with the presence of royalty here. Thank you. As a middle child, I so appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean. I mean, one, one of the things, um, I mean, tell us a little bit about you also, as well as your company. But one thing that Dr. Jones sort of mentioned was the Small Business Administration. And, and I understand that uh, basically a lot of this happened through what's known as an SBIR. Um, sure. so, so tell me about yourself and about Ford Edge. But why is why was the SBIR such an important tool when it comes to digital transformation? Yeah, so SBIR programs, uh, Small Business Innovation Research Program, is is a passion of mine as well. I've been doing SBIRs for thirty three years. That's all my most of my adult life. Program actually is forty years old this year. This is mm-hmm. celebrating its fortieth year anniversary. And it's what's called America's Seed Capital. Um, This program was founded, um, again, 40 years ago to address concerns that that they had at National Science Foundation about the U.S. eroding dominance in innovation. Mm -hmm. And so what essentially what happens is it's in three phases. Phase one is basic research or translational research. Phase two is you're taking that sort of uh, research, that proof of concept, and you're Mm -hmm. developing something that uh, has been de-risked and ready for market. Phase three is where the big payoff is. Phase three, you have the ability to get sole source contracts and in an expedited fashion in the federal government for anything that's related to the technology that arises, extends, or concludes the work you did in phase one. Or two, and it could be research, it could be services, or it could be products, or any combination of the three. So, Ford Edge participates in the program. We have SBIRs with the National Science Foundation, um, with Census Now, and also with the U.S. Air Force. We've got others that uh, are sort of in the pipeline. But this program, um, most people will not know this. This will be a surprise to your audience. But companies like Qualcomm, Genentech. 23andMe, um, LASIK, iRobot. These are American brands, powerful brands that came through the program, got their start from this program. And so it's not a government program. So we were thinking 
it is a government program, but it's not a government government program. It's it's a seed program to create the next generation of entrepreneurs. Now, one problem with the program is that less than 0.6, that's not even 1%, 0.6% of SBIR dollars have gone through African-American entrepreneurs. That is a tragedy. And that's something we're trying to address. So I've spent the last few years trying to focus on goal number three of the program, which is to foster and encourage women and minorities in innovation and entrepreneurship. The, the program in 40 years has never achieved that goal, right? So we got to do better. But as you can see from the list of companies I, I mentioned, this program is, is central to our economy. You have a number of companies, Google's another one, you have a number of companies that would not be here today had it not been for the program. So when you ask me a little bit about our company, you know, we're committed to making sure that the Bureau of Census is successful with the EMMA project, which is a phase three SBIR. We've got a lot, you know, riding on this. You know, we want to showcase this as a success um, for the Bureau of Census, a success for Dr. Jones and her team, and a success for the taxpayers, right? Um, so uh, just a couple more thick points about Ford Edge uh, beyond what we're doing with EMMA. Um, we're also doing work with the National Security Agency. We're deploying, we're um, doing some research with the NSA, developing a very low cost. We're talking under a couple hundred dollars and very low cost quantum resistant encryption device that'll secure edge devices like IoT, SCADA, um, you name it, laptops, phones, et cetera, and keep it from, you know, from quantum level uh, cyber attacks. So we're doing some pretty cutting edge things, but again, the point is three things. We're focusing on public safety, national security, and addressing you know uh, these complex social challenges that that uh, that our country faces. Well, well, thank you very much. But I would be remiss if I didn't tell the audience that you are federal one hundred award winner yourself. Congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think they were just giving away when I got it. <laughs> when, when Dr. Jones got it, that broke the mold. I think they're not giving them anymore. <laughs> One point that I want to add, but thank you for yeah. that. Um, I am a Federal 100 Award winner, but I got to tell you, that was a, a highlight in the career. You got these milestones in the career, but I do want to mention a couple of things. I'm the um, National Capital Business Ethics Award winner and the fourth runner-up for the American Business Ethics Award. Those are, I think, I cherish those. Also the, thank yeah. you, also the uh, first Black SBIR Tibbetts Award winner, which is, you know, so those are sort of the, the crowning achievements. And then last year, last one, and this is where I won't say anymore, I won the um, Service to the Citizens Award. So all of those is sort of like my body of work, right? Um, service to the citizens, you know, addressing these social issues, innovation, that's what kind of what I'm all about. No, well, thank you very much. You know, you all, they always say, you know, thank you for your service to uh, the military and to um, first responders. But it's also important to note that the, the nation has to thank uh, commercial business for their service to the nation, so uh, so so thank you for all of that. So so Josh, Emma apparently uses 
a lot of different leading edge technologies, including robotic process engineering and, and natural language processing. But, but your team is focused on this embedded service called the Universal Communications Identifier or UCIED. Could, as you introduce yourself and your company, Ripples, could, could you tell us what the UCIED is? Yeah, thank you for Kevin, and um, and happy to be glad to be back on the show. I, but before before I get into that, I gotta I gotta keep both Eric and Dr. Jones on their pedestals. Um, <laughs> so so Eric, no, as he described, I mean his one of the things that's super impressive, and and you know at least I've been impressed with with Eric and his team is they truly are ninjas at the SBIR game and, and just doing business, uh, you know, in the, with the public sector, uh, I've learned a ton from them, you know, it's a great team and I'm really excited to be, to be partnered with him and his team. And Dr. Jones, I just want to, I want to congratulate you because you truly, truly, for truly being an innovator within the Bureau, because you did a few things when you, you told us that story about the accident. I mean, number one, you were curious and asked questions like, why couldn't this be different, right? Which it always starts with that, right? Some people don't even get that far. They don't question status quo. Then you took action, which is, again, even the people that question, you know, don't take action. And then lastly, you you went and got out of your circle kind of of influence and, and information to make, as you put, new friends uh, which is how you know innovation happens. It's it's up leveling the level of thinking. So I I'm really encouraged and just want to congratulate you for that. For you know that that's something that's you know needed in in areas where there is so much bureaucracy, right? And silos you put. So just wanted to continue to build you guys up on your pedestals there. <laughs> but so I getting back to to Ripples and your question, Kevin. I'm Josh Pendrick, CEO of Ripples. Ripples is a spatial computing company that that's developed a robust patented geospatial platform that, that integrates the digital and physical world in some really unique ways. Uh, most notably is the system enables um, the ability for digital files to exist at precise coordinates of, of real world you know, physical space. And these, that these files can be interacted with via connected devices such as smartphones or, or other types of IoT devices. And the way we do that is in a variety of ways. We use a proprietary wireless communication network as well as, which is also patented, and other third-party positioning systems that all come together to create this single platform, which, which we call Interlife, which is essentially a spatial operating system. And it's that internet of space concept that we talked a little bit about last time I was, I was on the show. And so there's a lot of use cases for this, for this in, in incredible technology. Uh, and it's being used to serve multiple markets and, and a variety of solutions. One of which, one of those is, is the, the concepts that we're doing with the UCID, which we developed with our partners at TNS. And uh, now what the UCID is, and again, as you put, Kevin, it is the, what that stands for is the Universal Communication Identifier. <clears throat> and what the UCID is, is, is the first device-level software service to monitor individual device activity for vulnerabilities at that at the, at the device level. Um, how it works is we take the unique network ID, the unique ID of a network device, uh, such as an MEID number, which is which is the mobile stands for mobile equipment ID, 
that every uh, smartphone and telecommunication device has. It's a unique serial number uh, that assigns each of the devices. And we take these, these unique network IDs, mint it on a blockchain, and integrate that with our, our geospatial platform, you know, I mentioned earlier, and, and also store metadata about the software and hardware below materials. And so this UCID was designed to increase the security and transparency for devices of all kinds. Uh, the core features uh, for the solution include automating the acquisition of the device hardware and software data, the creation and recording of the UCID on a blockchain ledger, uh, we're using a permission-based uh, ledger. Uh, the regulatory intelligence and monitoring capabilities that it offers for re regulatory bodies. Validation of device transactions. And then also the ability to do automation of processes based on, on metadata and triggers. So UCIDs have all the benefits of distributed ledger technology in addition to the, cap you know, the added benefits that come from, you know, from the, the patented Interlife platform. And that includes the, you know, all the stuff, the immutability of recording on a blockchain, complete audit history, including spatial audit history, providing asset tracking, monitoring, anom anomaly detection, and along with that ability to, to implement autonomous rules or actions in response to specific triggers. So now, as applied to physical devices, such as smartphones or, or network equipment, a primary goal of the UCID is to, to flag and, and remediate the the hardware and software vulnerabilities as well as to gain insight in different patterns or risks including location-based patterns or risks and the ucid becomes an important component for any device management solution especially being able to help mitigate risks in, in large networks such as telecommunication networks supply chain networks iot networks and really all these you know these these massive um, networks with large connected devices and and lastly, in addition to the digital, the digital assets, I'm sorry, the physical assets, the, we, the UCD provides similar capabilities to manage these risks involving digital assets. Digital assets meaning, you know, uh, NFTs, cryptocurrencies, spe specifically central bank digital currencies, uh, securities, uh, and, and digital wallets. So really, it's a, it's a pretty unique uh, product that we came up with there. Before we get back to that interesting conversation, here's a word from our sponsor. The Universal Communication Identifier is the world's first blockchain-enabled service for physical and digital assets. Services include supply chain security, device management, software licensing, equipment tracking, and more. Secure your physical and digital assets with UCID today. To learn more, visit ucidentifier.io. Wow. So it, it sounds like it's really kind of a, a broad service. It's not like a niche. It's something that can support not only physical devices, mm -hmm. but, but virtual assets, so physical assets and virtual assets as well. Oh, this is, this is, this is amazing. So, Dr. Jones, we, we talk about digital transformation, and you really do exhibit a lot of the key traits required for digital transformation, like that curiosity um, and, uh, that drives you to not accepting the status quo and, and sort of getting outside of your comfort zone and your, your willingness to share information. 
And as you said, you are part of the Commerce Department as a organization uh, that's really focused on data. Why is Emma so important uh, to your broader organization? Because uh, a medical, uh, mobile medical paperwork application seems like it's pretty narrow scope. So, you know, how is that transformational? It's called the beginning, Kevin. It's just the beginning. We got to prove it works. We got to prove that everything Eric has promised is truly capable and doable. And then it's just the beginning. It's showing that we can bring AI technology, blockchain understanding into the folds of federal government exercises and efforts. And we can show if it can do this for my little small pocket of the world Mm -hmm. um, at the U.S. Census Bureau, then what can it do for the Department of Energy? What can it do for our friends over at Justice tracking inmates? What can it do for our folks over at Department of Navy working on transformative federal finance systems to make sure the war that never has to worry about whether or not their check is going to end up in their checking account on the day of payroll. There is so many things to come with AI, and I'm considering us just the beginning. And I'm hoping that all of my peers across government are looking and watching the same way I'm looking and watching them. And they're trying to figure out how can this work for us? How can this work for us? What innovative needs do we have? We all have something that we have at work that's just like a bugaboo to us, like Damn, there's 17 steps in this. Is there any way to retire some of these legacy systems that were built basically prior to us being born or prior to Eric starting his 33-year journey in SBIR? Is there any way to retire some of these systems and really embrace what industry is doing right now, what may be going over on in different um, industry structures, what's going on in infrastructure, what's going on in agriculture, what's going on even across the pond in international waters, what innovative things are coming up that our talent can latch onto? Because nobody can tell me that we don't have the talent or wherewithal in federal practice. But do we have a springboard that allows that talent to jump into think tanks and say, I've got an idea? Or this is a problem. What solutions out there exist so us to, for us to make it better? That whole work smarter, not necessarily harder. How do we bring efficiency in this? And then how many of us are comfortable standing on the other end? Becoming the customer, becoming the consumer, becoming that American, that American citizen that's out there counting on statistical data that comes from the Census Bureau. So while I'm waiting on this data to come, has Yahoo given it to me? Has Gardner given it to me already? Have Twitter already letting me know what's wow. going to happen? Yeah. Like, we don't want to be, I tell people all the time that we don't ever want to be in a situation where we become Blockbuster. No offense to Blockbuster, but they were the coolest kids on a Friday night you could ever want to hang out with. That yep. Be Kind Rewind was the place to be. Everybody overpaid for Twizzlers and popcorn that you could have easily gotten <laughs> for $6 less, right? Then this skinny kid, nobody really knew, didn't understand who he was, came into town, walked up to Blockbuster and say, hey, I got an idea. You know, I think if we hung out together, maybe we could do something great. And Blockbuster said, what's your name? And they were like, hey, um, my, my name is Netflix. And they were like, nah, we're cool. We don't need that. Nobody's ever going to give up on Blockbuster. We're always going to be the greatest the thing ever. Ever. <laughs> and then Netflix said, hold my beer, hold my beer. 
<laughs> and now, when is the last time you guys walked into a blockbuster? I tell everybody, you don't want to be left behind. Right now, a newspaper, by the time it hits print, gets out to your yard, it's already stale. To our yeah. hotel industry, you better be watching your back with Airbnb. To our car dealerships, Carvana, Zoom, they're coming. Government, what makes you think that won't happen to us? Yes, the structure will always be there. But if we really want to be where people find the um, data that they need, be that trusted agent of stewards of information technology, we've got some work to do. We've got some work to do. And everybody thinks it comes from the top of administration, but it actually comes from those of us in seats with boots on the ground, mm. in seats of influence that can make things happen. They're counting on us to bring innovation and ideas. And instead we're recycling the old, but we can do better. We can spit shine what we've got, of course. Nobody's saying let's throw away our archives of historical data because we've got some great stuff that we've done. But how do we elevate it? How do we elevate it? How do we challenge ourselves to be true champions of tomorrow? What are they gonna say about us today in the history books tomorrow? Aside from this whole group out, Air frying bake, air frying carrots and calling it bacon. We can be innovative, okay? We can do some things beyond the scope of measure. And I'm a firm believer that that exists and lives in federal practice. Wow, wow. I mean, the more I hear you guys talk about this, a medical mobile application as a description just seems so uh, underwhelming for, for what it can do. So, so Eric, can you maybe uh, lift the hood on this, this vehicle and, and tell us a little more about some of the technologies that are being used? It's not just a digital way to shuffle paper. I mean, you're using things like process engineering and, and natural language processing. Can, can you... Uh, you know, what are you really doing in this app? Yeah, I mean, like I said, man, following Dr. Jones is always. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, so when it comes right down to it, what we're talking about is enhancing or transforming the customer experience or the citizen experience. Right. Because that's really what what taxpayers only care about. If I this is not federal, but if I go to the DMV, what's the experience? If I need to get a, you know, a, a, a fishing license, what's the experience? What's the experience am I getting from census? You know, that's what the citizens really care about. And that's where, unfortunately, the government gets, uh, gets a lot of knack. But there's a lot of good stuff going on in the government, innovation. Mm -hmm. So within Emma, you know, Emma has a lot of uh, what we call emerging technologies that are, that are uh, being brought to bear. We've talked about blockchain, so we're using the smart contract feature of blockchain to, to manage who gets to see the data and to, to, right. to bring a new data governance philosophy into the agency. We're integrating um, robotic process automation. And what is why is that? It's just not a buzzword. The RPA is being used to automate away these repetitive tasks that they have to do over and over and over again so that they can sort of upskill and focus on higher level customer facing kinds of activities instead of this low end administrative stuff that doesn't have a lot of value, right? Mm -hmm. Important, but doesn't have a lot of value. We're bringing to, to bear artificial intelligence and computer vision. You may be aware if they get into an accident, like Dr. Jones was saying, she got into an accident that, that inspired this 
the way that it worked today is they basically take a pen and paper. They're trying to sketch out the accident scene. They go back home, you know, memories fade and they're trying to oh, sketch it out. Yeah. And then they've got to file it and there might be a lawsuit. So who wants to go to court with a hand-drawn paper that was done two days after the actual accident? As a lawyer, you'll know that is not a winning hand, right? Yeah, so yeah. the idea is if you could just take a photo on the scene, right? And you have some magic under the hood that analyzes it, fills out the forms and does, uh, does some things. And, and then you have the blockchain, you preserve evidence then, wow, you've got something here that's uh, that's pretty interesting, right? And then we've got other technologies like chatbots. We were stricken, and by the way, across the board, everybody at Census we've been working with are deeply passionate about this project and deeply passionate about the work that they're doing. You've got people, the, the, the Census itself is written into the U.S. Constitution, right? So it's not something that somebody just said, hey, let's do a Census. It's written into right. our Constitution. And so this is as American as it as it comes when they are out knocking on your door. They're your neighbors. They're your friends. They're your families. They're knocking on the door to take the census. The data underpins every aspect of our economy for a fact. Right. So everybody we talk to on this project, we're doing business process reengineering. We look because you don't want to automate, you know, uh, a broken process. You want to take the process, you want to improve it, and then automate, right? So literally everybody we've been dealing with at Census are passionate about this and making it better and being a model that other government agencies can follow. So let's talk about that. Who else, right? So this is not some little tiny thing, right? So first of all, the the 2030 Census uh, and the 2020 Census the, the Bureau uh, deployed over 500,000 employees, right, in the field to knock on your doors. That's going to be the largest blockchain implementation project in the federal government, period. Wow. Largest enterprise blockchain, period, right? So that's number one. Beyond the census, most people don't know this, but every year, the Census Bureau is deploying folks into the field to, to, to do counts and enumeration and that kind of thing. It's not just every 10 years, it's every year. So this is not a 10-year problem and it goes away. It's every year. And then you think about it and say, okay, well, who else can use this? Well, the U.S. Postal Service. They go out. They, they're, they're knocking on your doors. They're delivering your mails. They get bitten by dogs. They get into accidents. It's the same thing. And you could keep extrapolating. You look at like oil rigs. You've got people in oil, remote oil rigs. They get injured. You know, what are they doing? You know, so this is not just a, a, a nice little project, one-off project in a corner somewhere. This project not only is going to solve a major problem in the federal government, but it's going to be a model for implementation of these technologies throughout the federal government. That is why we have to succeed. Wow, that, that's impressive. And something else you brought up, this is not something that we're not going to see until 2030. This is actually something we're, we're going to see in the near term, right? Yeah, hopefully next year. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, Josh, I'm come back to you because you were talking a bit about uh, geospatial technology and well, I mean, you're kind of known for that. You talked about your patented geospatial technology. So uh, can you maybe tell me 
a little more about about that because you you guys work in uh, the metaverse, right? You worked in in Web three and and geospatial and the metaverse uh, they don't like go together, right? Aren't they different things? Well, yeah. So uh, appreciate that, Kevin. So so look the. So yeah, the, this, the spatial, the geospatial platform we were referencing earlier, we, we call that inner life. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that spatial operating system that um, I was referring to. And so, as it pertains to the metaverse, what I would I would think of think of ripples as sort of the the bridge between the physical world and the meta and the virtual world, the metaverse. Sure. We actually give the metaverse and virtual environments real world context. So we, you know, that's that's really where Ripple sits at, that intersection of the digital and physical. And um so so basically what Interlife does is as I mentioned a little bit earlier, it uses various positioning systems to to map airspace and map kind of physical environment, this addressing system, if you will, of, of airspace, and then enables the ability to store digital files and at, at these locations, at mm-hmm. these precise three-dimensional real-world coordinates. And those digital files could be actual files and assets, or they could be okay. commands and instructions. So, so think of, uh, it could be digital media, like messages or augmented reality content that, that uh, you would you would access with your phone. So I guess like those pictures that Eric was talking about, you could actually put geospatial data with those pictures, so you can prove that the accident worked that that happened at that particular location. Yeah, certainly that's definitely use case. And and even in addition to the phone devices, you know, this could be, it could be as I mentioned earlier, any type of IoT or connected device. So that you know that could look like a. A, uh, a haptic device, you know, a wearable that provides haptic feedback as sort of a, a way of like a wayfinding solution for, for helping a blind person navigate, let's just say in a, in a particular environment as an example. Okay. So now the system was built natively to incorporate blockchain and, and facilitate supply chain management. So, you know, getting back to kind of UCID, UCID and, um, and Emma, when TNS first presented its idea for what, what, you know, later became known as the UCID concept to us, it was a, it was a natural fit to use the Interlight platform given where it was already natively kind of geared up to do, right, for a lot of this stuff, since our structure to be able to do this stuff. And, you know, one of the benefits of UCID is that ability to signal when a device is, is getting hacked or cloned. Uh, right. which, which, you know, for bad actors getting access to, to, to a clone device could get access to very sensitive data or even entire networks, right? So, um, I mean, in the Emma case, this, this helps ensure, you know, the integrity of, of the critical census data that is, that is captured on Emma devices. Uh, but really just in a broader perspective, I mean, the, you know, the UCID addresses, you know, a very, very big problem in, you know, edge devices are now, let's just call it a favorite entry point to all kinds of bad actors. Right. And, um, and with 70 billion uh, devices by 2025, and I, I believe it's what 6 billion or something smartphones in circulation. That's a, there's a huge number of, of possible attack vectors, right. For, wow. for these actors and, and the cybersecurity problem is becoming a crisis. And so the UCID can help address this this crisis, and as you know, the Emma project clearly demonstrates, and it really just kind of underscores everything Eric was just saying of like, this isn't a you know this isn't a project in some little corner like this this has major impact across the board. Um, so, oh, wow. yeah. 
So, well, thank you. Thank you all for this enlightening discussion. Unfortunately, we're coming to the end of our time. So, uh, Dr. Jones, I mean, could you end this by maybe, you know, telling us what's in your crystal ball for, for, for Emma? And, and then if someone wanted to learn more about Emma or maybe even partner with your bureau uh, on an Emma-related project, you know, what could they do or how could they reach out to you? Come see me. I'm at the U.S. Census Bureau in Suitland, Fed, Suitland Federal Center <laughs> in Suitland, Maryland. Um, I'm actually, you know, a phone call or email away and I'm a sharer. I'm a giver. I work hard not to be a gatekeeper. I think it's important that we are all builders and to build, sometimes we need to borrow. And I am a constant giver. Like I said, I'm a federal steward. So it's not like it's mine <laughs> to take home and cherish and profit off of. So it's for those that want it and need it. Um, it's my hope that individuals see what we do with Emma. And as you said, this is just like the small token of what this technology and capability can do. And if we can do this for just one pocket of capability of what we do, a little, a little drop in the pond of what's capable with this technology, Imagine what you could do over at your agency. Imagine what you could do at National Health Institute. Imagine what you can do over at Department of Education. Imagine what you could do over at FEMA. Imagine what you could do, you know, as I think about what we just went through here in the DMV. Storms are down, trees are on houses, infrastructure and everything's torn apart. Like, what if they had Emma? Yeah, <laughs> right, saying. right. Filter to get these policies claims, get these trees out of the way. We got things that we can get done. And so I, I like to say, you know, I feel I, I feel okay with being that new cool kid at the table. I'm okay if I, <laughs> if we become that Netflix, um, we will make room for everybody who wants to join and inquire. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as um, Dr. Camille Adams Jones. I'm on Twitter at Miss Doc Jones. And so as you need anything, um, Mrs. Doc Jones is M-R-S-D-O-C-J-O-N-E-S on Twitter. As you need something, come for me. I'm a work-life balance, mental health advocate in addition to all of this. So wellness is my jam. <laughs> but, um, technology and innovation is my calling. So I thank you for having me, Kevin. I thank Josh and Eric for just letting me be amongst your company. I tell everybody I am the most underrated, un underperforming aspect of my circle because I want to aspire to those that I surround myself with. And so I always make sure that I'm the one that's playing catch up. And this group, I, I'm just honored to be about. And Kevin, thank you so much for this platform and this opportunity today. Eric, we've got work to do. So say goodbye. Let's go. <laughs> Wow, talk about a call to action. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So, um, so Josh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about this. Maybe you should spell Ripple so people can find you on the, on the internet and, and let the audience know how they can reach out to you to find out more about like your, uh, what's called Light Play app and UCID. Yeah, sure. So the ripples is spelled uniquely. Uh, it's R-Y-P-P-L-Z-Z. Uh, and you could go to, you know, find us at our, our website, ripples.com and, you know, all the, all the social channels, uh, you know, that ripples on. And to specifically learn more about the UCID, uh, we have the, a website dedicated to that product that is ucidentifier.io. 
And yeah, you, the, the Kevin, you mentioned the light play app, which we didn't get a chance to talk about, but that is a, it's a really great product that, that ripples has. It's a geo messenger app that allows you to drop location-based messages anywhere you, you want in the world and connect with people around the world in different, entirely different ways. And you can, you can find out about that at lightplay.app. Wow. Thank you very much. Hold on, Josh. Wait a minute. Tell me about that one again. We may need to talk offline about that one. Picture picture Pokemon Go meets uh, a social network meets metaverse. That's it. Yeah. You can definitely check it out. Come come, (laughs) go join and follow me, Josh, at Josh Pendrick on there. And we'll, uh, we'll hang out. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. That's awesome. So, so uh, Eric, uh, have we missed anything about about you and, and Portage AI? And, and how can the audience reach out with you? You can't. Yeah, thank, thanks, yeah, for, can. <laughs> thanks for not making me follow Dr. Jones this time. Um, so, yeah, so this, this has been great. Always fun to do this podcast. Um, uh, Josh, um, I just noticed on your wall there, you got the Boston Bruins looks like. Uh, too bad. You know, I grew up in New York. Too bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to just put it out uh, there. If I had seen that in the beginning, the I would not cable. have gone forward. If I had seen that in the beginning, I would not have gone for it. As a New Yorker myself. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. Just put it out there, man. So, We're on um, the same team here. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, uh, to reach me, LinkedIn is always good. Uh, but the uh, the website for the Emma project is emmaapp.ai. That's E-M-M-A-A-P-P dot A-I. That's the landing page for the Emma app. So, feel free to reach out. And there's plenty of information there. Thank you. Oh, great. Right. And thank you all, the audience, for spending your precious time with us. So in closing, I would like to also invite everyone to check out the wide variety of industry thought leadership at supplychainnown.com. And you can find digital transformers and supply chain noun wherever you get your podcast. So be sure to subscribe. So on behalf of Dr. Jones, Josh, and Eric. This is Kevin L. Jackson wishing all of our listeners a bright and transformational future. We'll see you next time on Digital Transformers. Thank you for supporting Digital Transformers and for being a part of our global Supply Chain Now community. Please check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com. Make sure you subscribe to Digital Transformers anywhere you listen to or view the show. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Digital Transformers.